Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you this morning. Amen. My wife has a phrase that she's been saying um, recently, and it's holy is here. It might be here as holy, but it's the same thing, the transient property of algebra. Anyway, that's too deep for this morning. Um, but I, I feel it here this morning. Here is holy. When you go back home, my prayer is you would realize here is holy in your community that here is holy. I've watched that video uh, 50, maybe even 100 times. It's jarring every time. You watch it and you, you go, am I, really, am I really watching mortars being dropped on a village so that whole communities are pushed even deeper into the jungle in fear simply because of the ethnicity that they were born into? Am I... Am I really watching young children's bodies being sold? And what do we do with that? I think we want to look away. I think we want to move forward. I think if you're anything like me, humanity's like, wait, wait, where's the, where's the hope? Where's the redemption? Where's the impact? We are trained, at least in the nonprofit world, to show the problem and then show the solution so that we don't linger too long in the pain. But if we allow ourselves to sit there just a little bit longer, I think sitting in that pain, in that brokenness, can do something deep inside of us and can continue to transform who we are and who we're called to be. There are two things about that video. Well, there are a lot of things about the video, but I'm going to just highlight two things that um, have literally transformed my worldview. And the, the first one is that verse at the end. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Amen. That's right. That's a deep amen. Because that is true across time and space. It is true right here in this space and it's true in Nepal, and it's true in Myanmar, and it was true before, and it will be true again. It is a timeless truth filled with hope that light shines in the darkness wherever you're at this morning, whatever you're going through financially, familially. Whatever you're going through, if you feel so alone and isolated, that light shines in the darkness, and I hope that you will experience that holy is here and holy is in you. And the second thing as I watch that video, every shot that you saw, none of it was shot by some, some uh, cross-cultural, multinational broadcast system. It wasn't shot by a national photojournalist. Those were all by our partners. I can remember one time showing the video, and my buddy goes, why is it so grainy in the beginning? I'm like, oh, it's not sharp enough for you. It's grainy because our partners had a phone and they were tracking what was going on as bombs were coming down so that hopefully we would share with the rest of the world and pull back the veneer that everything isn't as comfortable as we think. 
And yet in the midst of that kind of pain, in the midst of everything that we saw, our partners are courageous. Our partners are bold. And God is moving in the global church in ways that is hard for me to explain. What it takes for our partners to walk towards that courage is something that has caused our team to step up and take notice like never before and start asking what what maybe can we learn from the global church. This week, we will roll into the one-year anniversary of a military coup in Myanmar. Myanmar, formerly Burma, is home to the longest ongoing civil conflict in the world over 70 years. And one year ago, a military coup threw that country into deeper depths of violence, gender-based murder. This kind of conflict has not only killed thousands, but it's also pushed hundreds of thousands off their land so that whole communities are literally living on the jungle floor, having, having school by digging a ditch so the kids are below ground so that they don't get hit by bullets while they're in class. How's that for distance learning? Where moms are having babies on the jungle floor. As this violence continues to be perpetrated with no end in sight, we started having a conversation because interior Myanmar, we provide around three million meals every single year to some of the people who desperately need this kind of relief. Meals that if you've been a part of Kingdom Builders at any point, or your generosity has found its way to this church, you've been a part. Last year, y'all provided more than 160,000 meals. But as we have this conversation about how we get food there, and as the violence escalated, we have to be responsible. And we started having a conversation about are we putting our partners in harm's way? Because everything that Venture does, we do alongside of local church leaders in the countries where we serve. And we were specifically talking about one of our partners who is a female. We said, should we pull back providing food through her because we're putting her life at risk? And we decided that we would enter into a conversation with her and say, hey, here's kind of what we're thinking. She emailed back an email that I keep, that I've photocopied, that I have highlighted. I've redacted the information, but I want to read to you her response. You can follow it along behind me. But I will not run away from Yangon, which is the capital of Myanmar. I will never leave my people in trouble for the safety of me and my family. No matter how difficult it is, I will always be in Yangon for my people. This is my calling from God. It is my commitment to help my people as much as I can. Shouldn't we help more when people are in trouble? Shouldn't we help more when people are in trouble? That kind of courage to not walk away, to not look away, but to walk towards is something that is so powerful And it's something that we don't just see in this particular partner, but all of our partners. It's caused us to step up and take notice and and ask questions like, what what should we be learning from the global church? If we're not careful, as Christ followers, both inside of the church and then in nonprofit world, we highlight over and over what we export. We export food. We export safety. We export the gospel. But we start asking ourselves, what should we be importing? Because the move of God is happening in some of the most difficult and dangerous places on the planet. 
So I just want to share a couple of things that we're learning from the global church, but before I do that, I, I do want to say thank you. It is my honor to be here. This place, this church, holy is here and has been here for a long, long time. I want to thank you because if you've been a part of Cedar Valley Kingdom Builders and before that, through continual investing in the missions program here, Venture has been a partner since its inception. Our president was a youth pastor here. This church has been alongside of the work that we're doing, so any of the stories that I talk about are our stories. Holy is here. Venture, we are passionate about bringing justice to the unreached. And a couple of months ago, I had a chance to do a five-spot missions highlight where I got to share a little bit about what's going on. And so I won't go into all of it, but you can look at cvchurch.org backslash KB or front slash. I don't actually know how the slashes go, but just try them both. But in and full transparency, I didn't do a five spot. I think I did about a seven and a half spot, so make sure that you have time. But Venture, we work in some of the most difficult or dangerous places. There's a circle that we work in. Inside of that circle, over half of the world's population, the greatest majority of people have never heard the gospel. And then on top of all that, less than 1% of Christian giving goes there. It's what makes it difficult. It's what makes it dangerous. And that's why we choose to be there. And that's why we continue to be there even in the most difficult of places. And we focus on anti-trafficking, refugee crisis, extreme poverty, and persecution. And we partner with folks like y'all and we provide feeding programs and education, safe houses, agribusiness, and discipleship. And this kind of a church right here, what you all have done is incredible. You've responded in, in incredible ways with your generosity through Kingdom Builders, but also through things like 30 for Freedom, Hiking for Hope, the different ways that you have all stepped up and said, we're going to respond in difficult ways for people that are in difficult places. And so for me, it's an honor to say thank you. Last year, we were able to provide 15,800 meals every single day, and that continues to go on right now in the midst of this crisis as people are moved off of their land. We were able to rescue 728 girls and provide education for 1,200, provide sustainable farming for 800. Here's the thing. No matter how long we are in the places where we serve these difficult places, the one thing that we know for sure is that the greatest source of transformation for an individual or for an entire community is the presence of a local church, a church that invites people to see each other as equal and to invite people into a different way of living. And so I'm thrilled at kind of our home church to announce for the first time on a Sunday morning that last year in 2021, through our partners, we were able to plant 500 churches. These are... These are the stories that you are a part of, and this is, going back to the video, what has been hard to reconcile is in the midst of this immense danger and difficulty, in the midst of this incredible brokenness and injustice, there is still this powerful move of God and momentum, this God-shaped wind that is moving through the places and the partners, and it's caused us to ask ourselves, what, what is happening there? We've been studying it. We've been saying, what do they have? What can we bring back to the local church? And so as we've been studying, 
we've recognized that there are kind of five core principles as this movement through the places where we serve, as churches are being planted from person to person. As this happens, we've seen five things, and and they're fairly simple. These are the five core principles that kind of are reflected in each individual life as they are saved into being a Christ follower. First one, pray and read your Bible. Two is to spend time with those who don't yet have the hope of the gospel. Three, to spend time with the poor and the oppressed. Four, to meet corporately. And five, to spend time training others. And you see, when people are saved into a church or a believing community like this, they just go, oh, that's just what we do. We pray and read the Bible. We spend time with the poor and the oppressed. We spend time with the lost. We meet together corporately. We be here and we train others. We don't wait until we're spiritual enough. We just start inviting other people along in the journey. And while you might go, well, that's not super deep and insightful and revolutionary, what I will say is it simply reflects what Jesus was doing. It simply reflects the life of Christ and the teachings throughout Scripture. I want to point out one thing as we look at those. There is a decided focus on others in those five things. The lost, the poor, meeting together with others, training others. There is a decided otherness that we are learning from the global church that maybe we have slowly extracted from our faith journeys. Maybe our faith journeys have become so much about us and our family that we forget the power of the other. And this isn't just the global church. We see this throughout scripture. This isn't just my idea, my methodology. It's not just what venture is learning. This is what we see throughout scripture in Micah 6, 8 in the first testament. Now, to a lot of people, you're like, oh, we know that one. That's that justice verse, right? But if you look at it, Micah, a revolutionary prophet, reminds people, you are to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. To do justice is to see problems, big group problems, and step in and do something about it. To love mercy. Mercy is a word called chesed, and chesed means deep attachment, to have deep attachment to other people that will draw you in and cause you to sit with them in their pain. Whether it's they're going through a medical crisis, a financial crisis, or we sit with our brothers and sisters who are violently pushed off their land through ethnic violence and genocide. And then to walk humbly. This doesn't mean to think of yourself less, but to think less of yourself. Nope, it doesn't mean to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less, to create space, to think of others. All three of these things in Micah 6, 8 are very other-centric. And then we go to the Second Testament in Matthew 18, and Jesus is asked, hey, what's the most important of all the Hebrew commands? And of the 613, he said, okay, if you want to know the most important, it's love God and love your neighbor or love others. Other-centric. Two weeks ago, Pastor Reverend Dr. Neal gave an incredible message about the why behind what we do here at Cedar Valley, and he unpacked Matthew 28, called the Great Commission. And it says, to go into all the world, to all the others, or as you are going, so whether that's all the way 
to Myanmar or you stop halfway there when you get to Shakopee. It doesn't really matter, but as you are, those are both in scripture, Shakopee and Myanmar. Um, as you're going, as we're going, Isaiah 58, I, I love the First Testament prophets because they speak so boldly. It says, if you give yourself fully on behalf of the poor and the oppressed, you know what happens? His light shines down and he's going to show you exactly where to go. As we head into 2022, I think we're all kind of ready and thinking, what's a better way for me to go? I'm not asking if you're a really good Jesus follower. I'm asking, is following Jesus working and can you take the next step? Because there's the otherness of the kingdom that we are invited into. Jesus always did this. He spent time with the woman at the well. He crossed gender border, ethnic border, her background. All of them were things that should keep him away. He met with Nicodemus who had to sneak to him at night. Nicodemus was his sworn enemy. And yet he made space for him. Zacchaeus, scum, not scum, made in the image of God, but Society would have thought of him as scum because super rich and preyed on other people with the power that he had. Jesus always making time for the widow, the orphan, spending time with the kids. This was the otherness of the kingdom that sometimes if we're not careful, we miss our opportunity in 2022. As we step into this kingdom builders over the next three weeks, this is the quintessential series on otherness on the opportunity for us in our understanding of the kingdom to make room for other people, whatever that means, whether they're in your backyard or overseas. I want to share one story from scripture, although there are a ton of scriptures about the otherness of the kingdom, but there's one in the book of Acts. It's in uh, Acts 8, and it's It's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. We have people of all different ages here, so if you're a parent and you have younger kids, I'm going to leave it up to you to explain eunuch. And if you don't know, just have a long line, and Pastor Neil would love to just break down Amos? Kim? You wanted? All right, that's great. I'm much more confident with Kim expressing what a eunuch is than Pastor Amos, right? Let's all stay in our lanes. Stay in our lanes. Okay. So here's Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and we're going to read... 10 verses here from 26 to 38, which is 12 verses. You get two bonus verses this morning. Um, And you can follow along with me here. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, that's my wife's name, Uh, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, please tell me, who is this prophet talking about, himself or somebody else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him about the good news of Jesus. It's just that easy. It's always that easy. Just go find yourself a chariot. You'll be ready to roll. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't we be baptized? Also that easy. Super easy. 
And he gave orders to stop the chariot, and then both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water, and Philip baptized him. There's a lot that we can unpack in this in this passage, but I just want to talk about two things in this passage that help me kind of orient myself to understand the otherness of the kingdom. And the first thing that Philip does is he listens to God. And again, while that might not be revolutionary, it's revolutionary. It might seem too simplistic or it might seem otherworldly to you, but the God of the universe does want to communicate with us. Now, I am not one of those that hears God's audible voice or even feels that nudge on a regular basis, but I will tell you this, I know that God talks to us. He talks to us through the scripture. He talks to us through prayer and meditation. He talks to us through worship. Man, if you didn't feel, well, that's a loaded, manipulative statement. I deeply felt holy as we were singing, holy is the lamb. This, this truth, this timeless truth, and actually the lamb, the very thing that Philip was explaining to the eunuch, that Jesus is the lamb that takes away all of our sin, all of our brokenness, that steps into it willingness, willingly. Jesus talks to us. Jesus talks to us through prayer, through scripture, through worship, through, through preachers every once in a while, talks to us through, through podcasts, even sometimes through Bono and you too, because he's like kind of grafted into the kingdom because he says Jesus stuff every once in a while. No, what, what I am saying is, I think if we would really stop and go, do I believe that the God of the universe wants to talk to me and what do I do with that? I think one of the things that I look at here that I need to be reminded about is maybe sometimes I'm listening to God for me a little too much. When I look in scripture, so many of the stories, God's talking to somebody about the other, right? If, if what you are posting on Facebook is you're hashtag blessed about your boat and your cabin, or that you walked into the, to the store and magically God allowed that sweater to be half off, you know, if that's, and, and hey, I'm not comfort or success shaming anybody. That's not what I'm doing. Okay, but what I'm saying is if that's the only way you hear from God is what he's doing for you, then we're missing a beautiful part about the kingdom. We're missing a part about the kingdom where the God of the universe wants to talk to you about other people. This is not my opinion. This is not my philosophy. This is not my personal ideology. This is what we see in scripture over and over that as soon as we are part of the kingdom that we also get to be a part of being ambassadors of the kingdom. This is personal. I will say, when I felt stuck and when I felt like I haven't heard from God in a while, it tends to be because I'm focusing on my belly button. I'm a navel gazer. What about me? What about my family? What about my job? What about my success? What about my comfort? What about my road? What about my direction? What about this? When we shift that a little bit, we are open to lots of other conversations that God wants to have with us. I was driving here, and uh, I like to come early, grab coffee at a coffee shop, and as I was grabbing a cup of coffee by Lake Nokomis, I drove by a home, a home right across from Lake Nokomis, a home that my wife and I put an offer on eight, nine, ten years ago. It was a short sale, which I don't know why they call those things short, because it was really, really long, and during that process... uh, we felt like God was nudging us a different direction, and we were confused because this was our dream house. I mean, across from Lake Nokoma, so great, right? Beautiful. 
No problem if any of you live across from Lake Nokoma is my family. I've got five kids. We'll come over for lunch. Um, but in the process, we were shifted towards living in a different part of the city for different reasons. And what we didn't fully know then is as we listened, it would open up the door for us to be a part of some other communities that we've never would have been a part of. When we listen to God, often it's going to include our role in other people's lives. Kingdom builders, these three weeks are about that. What will God say to you in these three weeks about your life and as it relates to other people? And I promise if you take steps in that direction, you will get that John 10-10 John, John life and life to the full. So we listen. And then the second part is we see Philip responding. Now, I know that's not like an exegetically super deep one and two points, listen and respond. We'll leave that kind of nuance to the good doctor over here, right? He's the teacher. Uh, but what I will say is that when I think of response, I think of like uh, our spiritual twitch muscle. Now, a twitch muscle is something that's kind of a sports term. I know Pastor Neil likes to talk sports. I, Pastor Amos likes to talk food. Those are their analogies. Um, but, this, but the spiritual twitch muscle is, is or, or a twitch muscle in sports is often used, um, or running backs are, are often talked about, do they have the twitch muscle? It's not just how fast they are or how strong they are or how big they are, but it's how they can see a hole and just shoot it. And because I'm here in this space, I'll give honor to my friend Lance Leibengood, one of the, one of the biggest Viking fans I know. Adrian Peterson had an incredible twitch muscle. I mean, he could just see that and go, see that and go. Here's Philip practicing his spiritual twitch muscle. He hears from God, and he just goes. He goes towards the chariot, then it says he runs, then he says he hangs out by the chariot. There is something about us responding, and we're not always going to get it right. But I think as we practice this twitch muscle over the next three weeks in, in 2022, I think we get better at it. We were... Um, our president, Ryan Skoog, who was on staff here years back, now he is a uh, businessman, and he was in Thailand at our, at our international offices. And while in Thailand, he went to the Thai-Burmese border. This was several years back. And when he went to the border, he saw what the culmination of 65 years at that point of conflict and genocide had done. It created this mass refugee surge on the border. And he, he felt like, man, I, I, we got to do something about this, but I don't know what to do at this point. We're just men and women who are biking, hiking, and running and raising money for mission projects in other parts of the world. And he comes back and he's like, God, if you want us to do anything, I'll do it. And it was like two, three weeks later, he's sitting at his desk in the middle of the day, and God said, go to feed my starving children. So he clears his calendar, and he goes to feed my starving children. He's like, hey, do you want to get some food into Myanmar? And they're like, can you get some food into Myanmar? He goes, I never tried, but let's give it a go. And 12 months later, we got our first container uh, into Myanmar, which is just over um, a quarter of a million meals. Again, Cedar Valley being a part of that story. And now this year, in the midst of the greatest refugee surge, we um, will celebrate over 45 million meals to people who need it most because of that spiritual twitch muscle. And I could tell you five other stories about uh, Ryan twitching and thinking he's going in the right direction, and maybe it wasn't. But the point is, the point is, it's not about success or failure. It's about practicing to develop that spiritual twitch muscle. That's what Kingdom Builders is all about, is taking some time and saying, can we 
create that kind of space because when we do, when we do incredible things happen, I will, I'll tell you one more story and um, show you a video. Uh, I was at SALT, which is Chi Alpha's um, kind of conference. Chi Alpha is the Assemblies of God uh, ministry on college campuses, private as well as um, public. And there are multiple Chi Alpha directors that have come out of this house. In fact, the regional director is Mike and Laura Amiot. And, uh, while we were there, I was sharing that video, this kind of story of what's going on over there, and talk about a spiritual twitch muscle. Uh, Mike and Laura have created a community of generosity and response, much like this house, and there was 450, 60 students. By the end of that weekend, 456 college students responded by giving $40,000 to these refugees, which is incredible. That's, that's more than half a million meals from college students. It's that twitch muscle. You see, I got it. It's that, it's that you all awake? Um, it's that twitch muscle, that listening, because God is talking to you on behalf of other people, and then our response. And when we do it, we've seen from the global church, when we focus on the otherness, of God, we've seen amazing things, and it doesn't, it's not just in the ones and twos, it's in the hundreds and thousands of what happens when somebody hears from God and responds. Check out the transformation that happened in Hannah's story because people like you decided that they were going to respond to their brothers and sisters in need. <laughs> kind of full disclosure for those of you who have followed the venture story, you may have seen that video. In fact, we shot it more than five years ago. But I continue to show it because of its far reach. Uh, Hannah, since then, has graduated from college. She has become the first woman to start um, a body enterprise to women, where she is going to villages. She has seven sisters, they're called. They're superheroes um, going out, and they're in COVID relief, feminine hygiene training. Uh, they are doing uh, training in finance, and they're also church planting. Um, she recently got an invitation to meet with the president of Nepal, where she asked for land for her people, a little bit Moses-like, right? Um, and, uh, and since then, we have moved from not just a centralized place for kids to find safety, but also decentralized, putting um, community-based housing right in the communities where trafficking's happening. Uh, and these homes are doing incredible things. We just got a report that uh, after building just two homes in one village, the human trafficking went down, more kids are staying in school, and the village brothel was shut down. There is radical change that happens when in a room like this, we respond. We practice that twitch muscle, and that might be prayer, it should be, might be generosity, might be making space, but what happens when somebody responds? Hannah was introduced to Jesus, and she was reading, and it said to forgive, and so she went to her neighbor who trafficked her sister, and she forgave him, and there's a lot to unpack there in our legal system. I don't believe that people should just go free. Uh, but the redemption of God's gospel coming into that community in the way that it has and what he's done through her reminds us that whatever you're thinking or feeling or reading or sensing, what would it look like for you to respond in a way that is uniquely different in 2022 than in 2021? One of the reasons why I love the story of the Ethiopian eunuch is because church historians believe that the Ethiopian eunuch's name was Simeon Bacchus. And Simeon Bacchus, through church history, is known as the founder of the Egyptian Orthodox Church. 
And the Egyptian Orthodox Church is a small little startup that has about 32 to 36 million believers to this day. Because Philip heard from God and he responded, there are 36 million just right now. Because Hannah heard from God, because people in this room heard from God. Do you see the pattern? There is a decided otherness to the kingdom and I don't know what that looks like for you in 2022. And I don't know exactly what that looks like over the next three weeks in Kingdom Builders, but Kingdom Builders is about this. Making space to pray and then figuring out how we respond and then letting God do some of the crazy afterwards, right? Uh, One of the things that the global church says, at least the people that we've been hanging out with, is pray your guts out and God will bring the response. I think that's a great way to start. As Pastor Neil comes up, I want to I wanna do two things. One, I want to just thank you once again. We can't be the church without being the church together. And you have been incredibly generous, and you have developed a twitch muscle that is beautiful and makes the kingdom beautiful. And I want to just pray over you what Jesus prayed over the disciples in John 17. It was a commissioning prayer, that magnum opus prayer, and In John 17, 20, he said this, and this is what I say to you, I pray not only for you, but for those who will believe because of your response for his kingdom and his glory. Amen.